This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, January 25th, wherever and however you're connected, Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with our resident goat watcher, Jerem Jordan. You ever watched goats? Because yesterday, there they are! Uh, Jackson Payne, who works for The Universe, I'm not talking about like the Milky Way galaxy and all that, I'm talking about the paper here. He tweeted uh, a couple photos of Danny Ainge chilling, he said, Danny Ainge chilling with Cosmo to watch some BYU women's basketball. So I tweeted, um, I see two goats. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. To which Brent Herring, uh, assistant coach uh, baseball, said, "Thanks for noticing me, Jeremy." <laughs> He's behind them with his kid, and I said, "Oh, I see Danny there now." Okay. <laughs> Obviously, Brent is one of the Bre- goats well, yeah, that you were Brent recognizing. Brent and Cosmo, and then I was like, "Oh wait, there's Danny." Oh, and Danny. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate Brent, Brent's the American Samoa head coach for baseball. Awesome, right? It's fantastic. That's super random Excellent and amazing. recruiter. I love it. Great dude. Looking forward to baseball season. It's right Let's around go. the corner. Let's go. And uh, I love that Danny is so visible at BYU events. When he came into Studio C when we were interviewing uh, Danny and Greg Kite last week, he said, look, I, and I don't know if you heard it, but he said, I needed to live in Provo or close to Provo so that I can get my fix of BYU sports. He wants to be around now, BYU athletics and get to as many games as possible. Now, I don't know if this is true. But if if it is true, it's big. Uh, I th- I think he's in the same ward as one Taysom Hill in the offseason. Uh-huh. And it's Bishop Chad Lewis. There you go. It's the greatest ward ever. Is that the greatest ward of all time? <laughs> with with BYU wow. ties, what's better than Bishop Chad Lewis, Danny Ainge, and Taysom Hill? They're like, do you give Taysom a calling in the offseason? He's like, <laughs> I'm only here like three months or whatever, <laughs> oh. five months. But you know. Speaking of goats, a few every week when you go to church. Jeez. Here's your show lineup. Hopefully the goats appreciate this. Re- real quick. I've said the story before, but I, since we're talking church. So I go to New Orleans one time, and I call a rugby game, and I go to just random ward in downtown New Orleans. Okay, I just pick random ward. I did not know where to go, but I'm like, it'd be cool if I showed up at Taysom's Ward. I showed up at Taysom's Ward <laughs> because the sacrament starts to be passed out, and there's a couple of deacons, and then there's an NFL quarterback with the tray. And I thought, how cool is this? Yeah, pretty cool. It was pretty cool um, just to see that, like, we're all equals here. There's 12-year-old kids, and there's this muscly hunk of a dude, (laughs) Taysom Hill, (laughs) handing out the emblems, right? It was super cool. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. All good. Actually, I'm not sorry. I'm glad I did. Jerem Jordan, ladies and gentlemen. You're you're the resident goat watcher. Why does everyone apologize when they interrupt but then still go? Sorry to interrupt. No, if you were sorry, you wouldn't have done it. (laughs) How rude of you. Here is your show lineup. BYU making life hard for the Pac-12 conference again, and specifically in future (laughs) football scheduling. How would you schedule against the Pac-12 once BYU enters the Big 12? Mm. College football and basketball insider Matt Brown joins us to discuss what the recent NCAA meetings will mean for the future of Division I competition. Are we headed for trouble and the elimination of several programs, specifically at the Group of Five level. Plus, Shaley Gonzalez of number 16, BYU Women's Basketball. What does she care most about, a national ranking 
or a projected seed in the latest bracketology. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Women's Hoops beat San Diego 70-48 last night as seen on BYU TV. Shaley Gonzalez scored 20 points. Paisley Harding had 16. Cougars now 16-1. 6-0 in the WCC. And as of yesterday, number 16 in the AP poll. Tied for the highest ranking ever. And Charlie Cream's latest bracketology this morning. He says BYU's the lone contender outside the Power 6. Still has BYU as a three seed. This is the greatest women's basketball team in BYU history. They have to validate it with the Sweet 16 to actually say that. But like regular season... At this point, no one's touched this team in BYU history. One loss in OT. BYU turned the ball over 22 times yesterday. Just to see if it'd be interesting. And still won by 22. <laughs> Imagine if it were That's only 12 crazy. turnovers, then they probably win by like 40. Also, I know ideally hosting the first two rounds would be awesome, but we will discuss this and look into it in, in depth as to whether or not BYU and the Marriott Center can host these games in the coming weeks. BYU men's basketball freshman Fuseni Traore named the West Coast Conference Co-Freshman of the Week, sharing honors with Gonzaga's Chet Holmgren. Not a surprise. It's the third time Fus has been awarded the Freshman of the Week this season. That's pretty good. And and to share it with, like, the number two pick in the draft or whatever, maybe one, who knows. Men's hoops remains an eight seed in Lenardi's latest bracketology. WCC still has four teams in the bracket. We're almost to February with four teams. It's pretty good. Take care of Santa Clara and San Francisco this week, and maybe they climb to the seven seed line. Just don't Santa be Clara in the and Pacific. Sorry, Santa Clara and Pacific. Yes, yes. The women Go. play Santa Clara and San Francisco. Yes. Just, just get everybody out of the win nine games. Just everybody win. Just keep winning. Speaking of number eight, BYU men's volleyball up to number eight in the latest ABCA coaches poll. The Cougars host Mount Olive on Thursday and Saturday. You can watch both matches live on BYU TV. Join us 9 p.m. Eastern on Thursday. It's going to be fun, man. They uh, played well over the weekend. Yes, they did. Very signing Colin Chandler nominated for 2022 McDonald's All-American uh, game in Chicago. Uh, good luck to him. Hopefully he makes it. He's one of 794 uh, nominees. So hopefully he makes it. That'd be awesome, man. He's a four-star. He's Almost on the border five. of becoming a five-star recruit. Yeah. Former BYU tight end and Super Bowl winning head coach Brian Billick has been hired by Herm Edwards in Arizona State as an offensive analyst. Herm's going to the well. Now, wait a minute. Um, Billick typically resides like on a boat in the Atlantic Ocean, which is a good life. Uh, he wants to go to Tempe, hang out. Well, okay. you can analyze film and oh, zoom he in. Stays, oh, he does come. You're right, you're sure. right, you're right. Gymnastics, you wherever he wants. Sadie, yeah, exactly. Gymnastics, Sadie Minor Van Tassel is the gymnast of the week vault specialist alongside teammate Lexi Griffith. In the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference. Congratulations. Well done, ladies. Uh, on uh, BYU TV Friday night? Yep. Let's go. It's a busy week at BYU Sports. Five games. Two women's basketball games, gymnastics meet, two men's volleyball matches. It's super busy, so I'm going to leave town today. <laughs> Have a great vacation. <laughs> Everybody needs a vacation, though. BYU men's golf currently tied for ninth at the Arizona Intercollegiate. Second round underway as of about an hour ago. The Cougars, two under as a team. Good luck to the players and coaches, Bruce Brockbank, Todd Miller, and the new assistant, Daniel Summerhays. That's awesome. By the way, just because you're not working doesn't mean it's a vacation. <laughs> this is very true. Turn off your it's, phone. It's true. Turn off your computer. Spend no, look, time with the family. Look at my phone more is what a vacation is. <laughs> yeah. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Making life difficult for the Pac-12. Isn't it about 
time. <laughs> BYU doing what it does best. John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News released a news article this morning citing BYU's inclusion in the Big 12 as a potential big problem for the Pac-12 moving forward in non-conference scheduling. Obviously, BYU has had a nice relationship with the Pac-12, thus so many games with the Pac-12, but when you play nine conference games in the Big 12, you can't really play many Pac-12 opponents, or you wouldn't choose to do so, you would think. However, Jerem, we have both been very vocal about wanting at least one Pac-12 opponent, Utah, on the schedule every year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to ask you the question again. I want you to explain. Do you want BYU to schedule Utah every year as a member of the Big 12 when they get in there, or do you want other Pac-12 teams to get sprinkled in there? I want 12 Power Fives. No, that's what some of you have called for, though. Um, Let's read this quote before I answer that. Internally, BYU's moving to the Big 12 presents us significant scheduling issues, said Merton Hanks. Mm-hmm. The next thing. Uh, the Pac-12 Senior Associate Commissioner-in-Chief of Football Operations. I did not do that, Justin. Former 49er? Yeah. I, I was like, first off, Merton Hanks is with the Pac-12. That's awesome. Um, okay, BYU has 15 games scheduled with the Pac-12 in the future. Six with Stanford, six with Utah, two with Arizona, and one with USC. So what do you do with all those, right? You got you got to cancel a lot of them. Do I want Utah every year? Almost every year, like ninety-five percent. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot of red. There may be a scenario right where there. it just doesn't work lot, out well for both teams and scheduling agreements, and maybe it's not the best thing for Utah and BYU. I hate it when that happens. Here's what but... Utah needs. It's all about us now. You know what? We're gonna be on a level plan. Utah cancel the next few years with Florida. Dot dot dot. Florida actually stinks. Utah should win both those games. So I, I want it most of the time. Now, be, it, let me explain what I want on the other games, and that will dictate why the Utah game is uh, the, what that spot is. I would like a home group of five game that isn't like a 10-plus win program, okay? So a team you can beat, right, at home. I don't want Cincinnati. I don't want, like, necessarily even Boise State, I think. I just want, like, a winnable game because the Big 12 slate is going to be tough. Then I would like an FCS team. So you're talking so, about, like, a UNLV um, like everyone below Utah State, if you will. Like okay. they can't be a team that can actually Colorado beat State. You. Yeah, sure, whatever. Like a like a middle to lower. Yeah, Colorado State's probably somewhere in the middle to upper. But anyway, just like a, a winnable game, okay? okay? Because I care more about winning than I care about puffing, pluming out the non-conference feathers. Because guess what? The Big 12's welcome to Power Five football. If BYU goes five and four consistently in league, that would be awesome. You know what I mean? Like six and three? Wow. Um, seven and two is crazy. Eight and one? Like, will that even ever happen? I don't know. It's not going to happen. No, never. Um, if 84 played in the Big 12 now, they wouldn't go nine and oh or even eight and one. Seven and two would probably be like the top of the mountain. So the Utah game represents like the, the big non conference game. Sure. I think that is probably what I want every year. But if you told me occasionally like a Notre Dame in Vegas type situation, or you can do a home and road with a big program, a Tennessee, for example. Yeah, I, I would like that occasionally at the cost of Utah, but not a ton. Like, I would like to play Utah probably eight out of every 10 years. Okay. Uh, like, very consistently. I don't see the need to play 10, uh, sorry, 11 or 12 Power Fives. <laughs> that just sounds stupid. Okay. More Power Fives, please. Let's say that Utah can't play the game against BYU for whatever reason, and I'm not talking about 23 and Scheduling 24. will be harder now. Sure. Yeah. Let's say that Utah can't do it in 2027, and 
there's a team like USC or Oregon that's like, hey, we'll play you, but we want you to play us here. That's fine. Would you take that game? Yeah. You would go and play on the road at Oregon or at USC. Yeah, because I want home G5, home FCS. I would okay. like I would like six or obviously six, but I would like seven home games sometimes. It is my preference with you that BYU, if possible, can play Utah every year. I think the idea of a Pac-12, Big 12 challenge, longtime rivals, is very fun because now it's really more on even playing ground, right? Both teams are in Power 5 conferences, so – the idea that Utah, oh, you just can't hang with our recruiting. Like, it does us no good to beat. No, it does Utah good to play and beat BYU if it's a Power 5 team. No, that conversation of beating a lower-tier it, independent team it's is always, gone. No, it's always been beneficial for yes. BYU to play Utah. Yes, yeah. Utah fans don't feel so, but it, it's, well, it's, some, a, like it's a good Darryl game. Well, like in your ward that – is a no, no. Loser. I'm not talking about just Daryl. I'm talking about some people that have significant opinions at Utah. What's up, Bill Riley? How you doing, buddy? Like that conversation has been prevalent. Does it even help Utah? Well, now I think it does. Congrats, USC has stunk. You finally won the Pac-12. That you're done. USC is going to be good again with Lincoln Riley. I hope you enjoyed it. That's how I feel. <laughs> and I listen. I, I want that game, but if it can't happen, I am absolutely open to the idea of if an Ohio State or another Big Ten program or SEC program and Auburn's like, hey, BYU, you want to do a one-off? Ryan Harson. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yes. Let's go. Let's yes. do it. I don't want two of these type of games, though, because the Big 12 will be tough enough. You want an FCS? Want you want one, a winnable G5? One big non-conference easy game. Easy win G5. Yes. Not easy, just winnable. Sure. Yeah. Our question of the day, do you want BYU to schedule Utah every year when BYU becomes a member of the Big 12, or would you like another opponent in that Power 5 scenario? Let's hear from you, BYU Sports Nation, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Nathan underscore Freeze on Twitter says, eight out of ten times in a ten-year span, should be against Utah. 100%. I agree. Yeah. The other two out of 10 should be home and road series. You're welcome, Jerem. Thank you. Against Power 5 teams from the SEC and Big 10. I wouldn't mind ACC. Like Why not? Play Clemson. Play North Play Carolina. Miami again. Play Miami. Whatever. Yeah. It, yes. It needs to be a game that, that is interesting and fun and, and you look forward to, right? I, like if, I know Wake Forest was good last year, but if you said home and road with Wake, I'd be like, eh. In lieu of Utah? Like, I hope that the Utah game happens almost every year. I, I think, like, yeah, of course, BYU is going to have these big games. And I'm not sure I want to play Boise State and even Utah State that much anymore, honestly. Like, I understand Utah's mentality in a Power 5 now as it pertains to the secondary rival. Yeah. Not the primary rival, Utah. The secondary rival. At some point, it's going to happen that BYU has Utah and Utah State in the non-conference. Yeah. On the same schedule. I think so. That's going right, to happen. Like, right now with Utah State, dude, that team was good. If BYU played them at the end of the year, it might be a different kind of game, right? They were way better at the end of the year. Hashtag BYUSN, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to join the conversation. Coming up, should the West Coast Conference <laughs> hire robots? <laughs> this is a real question. Tell you in what? And college sports insider Matt Brown of the Extra Points newsletter joins us to discuss potential deregulation and what it means for the future of Division I competition. Like it, BYU. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
BYU basketball with Mark Pope is tonight at 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app as the coach chats with Greg Rebell about some big wins last week. Big game with Santa Clara coming up Thursday night. Deep Blue with Nate Hansen and the film room with Chris Burke. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now is the publisher of the Extra Points newsletters, one of our favorites. It's been a while. Matt Brown is back with us to discuss big things in college athletics, specifically college football. Matt, great to see you. How are you? I'm I'm doing great, fellas. Always great to spend some time with both of you. Hey, listen, last week in the meetings at the NCAA, we went into them not thinking that it would be, I don't know, that big of a deal, but it kind of feels like it is becoming a big of a deal, and it's only going to become a bigger of a deal as we move forward. So what was your takeaway from last week's NCAA-wide meetings and deregulation and whatnot that was discussed there? Yeah, that's. I think that's a pretty healthy way of framing it, honestly. There, there wasn't a ton of, you know, really hard news that came out of that week unless, you know, you're really interested in Division three schools complaining about revenue distribution, which is a little bit niche even for my niche newsletter. <laughs> but it really does set the table for um, – some really huge conversations moving forward because this new NCAA constitution delegates a ton of authority specifically to division one. So everything that you think about here in this bylaw and this rule book, what does it mean to be a conference? How is revenue from the NCAA men's basketball tournament distributed? Uh, what, how are we going to split up what it means to be division one? All of these things are now on the table to be renegotiated and will be over the coming months. Now it's interesting because there's, Little little piece of information that are, are as you mentioned, the next couple months will be discussed and perhaps decided. One of which is a Power Five breakaway. Now that BYU is going to a Power Five, it's like, hey, I feel, I guess, I feel differently about it. I, although I wouldn't want March Madness to be blown up. I don't know if that's a football only conversation. What are you, what are you seeing and hearing? I have not really heard a lot of appetite among division one schools for a formal P5 G5 complete breakaway. And part of the reason is because of the, of the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament. And, and part of the reason that event makes a lot of money, you know, maybe, maybe it's kind of weird to talk about it here and maybe in this market, but part of that is because America loves to gamble on it and America loves to gamble on it because they want to bet on a big sky team or a summit league team and not a six and 10 Virginia tech team. So it really does make sense for everyone to have this as a combined event. But one thing that you are hearing a lot throughout these, these conversations are P5 leaders saying, we want more autonomy. And they already have autonomy to do basically everything that they want. So when you hear someone say, we want more autonomy, what they mean is, we want more money. And I think that that's going to manifest itself in a pretty different NCAA tournament over the coming years. That might mean that the unit payout system is different. Maybe it goes away. Maybe it increases. Maybe it's added for women's basketball. Maybe the tournament expands. Or maybe we get rid of the automatic bid uh, system. So maybe uh, only the certain certain low major or mid major conferences get automatic bids, and more of those go to power leagues. Which, if you're BYU and you care about basketball, maybe that's something you actually like because the Big Twelve is an extremely difficult conference, and it's about to get more difficult. Maybe you would want a system where you know, hey, if I finish tenth in this league, I'm probably still going to make the tournament. Yeah, wild to think about. Matt Brown with us on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned more money. The Power 5 schools specifically are at the front of that. Does that mean more money for the student-athletes with the emergence of name, image, and likeness, in your opinion? 
Well, it, it, it definitely is. The question I think is going to be what mechanism you know, uh, forces that because we have, uh, there's a couple of things all happening at once. We have the name, image, and the market name, image, and likeness marketplace blowing up. That's helping athletes at BYU. It's helping athletes at UVU. Athletes all over the all over the country, and that's I think independent of anything that happens with this changing constitution. You also have the federal court system and like not just liberal judges, but really conservative judges too, saying maybe we should take a look at these assumptions we've had about amateurism. Maybe if somebody is working 35 hours a week for an enterprise that makes 11 gajillion dollars in television revenue, <laughs> maybe they should be considered employees rather than, you know, warrior poet, student athletes or whatever the designation is right now. And so that might mean maybe that means we have unionization. Maybe that means they become direct employees and a program like Utah or BYU or USC maybe better equipped to navigate that system than maybe somebody like Southern Utah or uh, or, or Utah Tech, right? So, you know, and those are questions that the NCAA themselves can't totally navigate. It's going to depend on what the courts say. It's going to depend a little bit on what Congress says. And I know that stinks because if there's one thing I know college football fans in this market love to hear, it's we can't wait to see what Congress is going to do. But that's part <laughs> of what the reality is right now. Look at you dropping uh, Utah Tech and and Summit and Big Sky. Ah, you you know the audience. That's very that's very good. Okay, um, so you just talked about it. Are we gonna are we going to have a pay for play situation where it's just straight up like amateurism is is sort of gone? Like yes, you're 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 paid to do like that's up in the air, right? Like that could happen if they wanted to because they have a new constitution. Yeah, that that is something that I think is is a possibility. Everybody has to grapple with. You know, I remember I was talking with uh, with Bubba Cunningham, who's the athletic director at North Carolina, uh, a couple of weeks ago in, out in Las Vegas, and I posed this question to him, and he said, "Yeah, this is something we're talking about. And if that world happens, UNC is still going to play college sports. The, the question for us is how we're going to pay for women's lacrosse or swimming or some of these other sports. But whether they're employees." Whether there's uh, whether it's through NIL, whether it's something else, somebody is still going to wear the, the baby blue jersey and play basketball at the Dean Dome. Um, but if you're an AD right now and you're not thinking about, well, is this system going to stay the same in five years? What happens if the courts say we have to pay people? What happens if there's a hybrid? You have to at least think about it. I, I bet if we went into Tom's office right now, there's going to be a lot of spreadsheets somewhere that's you know forecasting what would we do if the Supreme Court then says X in 2025. Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports joined us recently, and he is of the opinion that with the separation potentially happening, especially financially between Power 5 programs that are naturally just going to get more money because that's what they do compared to some of these lower-tier Group of 5 teams, that some sports are going to be cut. Matt, do you see Group of 5 teams cutting sports moving forward because of the discrepancy in how much money is distributed between Power 5 programs and some of these lower-tier schools? Yeah, you know, I, I think most of them won't have to, but I can definitely see a world where they'll decide to do that. And, and one of the things I think that's important to think about for G5 programs or mid or low majors is that they sponsor some of these other sports for different reasons. You know, thinking back to, you know, not far where I grew up in, in Ohio, you have schools like Youngstown State that want to sponsor lots of programs, even if they're not even going to sell a single ticket, because they want that, they want that tuition money. They want, they want to boost their enrollment, and they realize, hey, if I have a swim team, you know, most of those athletes aren't going to be on full scholarship, um, and then they can give us some tuition because we can't even get butts in the, in like, in the school right now. 
that's not the world where BYU is. That's not the world where, where Utah is. But even if there's a, prof a professional model, I think you'll see plenty of mid-majors, low-majors, and G5 programs that are trying to boost enrollment, maybe even add sports rather than drop them. Other schools are going to look at this and realize it makes more sense for us to invest this money into football and basketball. Um, and I would say if you care very deeply about collegiate tennis, you should think about other ways that that system could work because it may not be able to be sustainable with what we're doing now. There's so much money in this game, and it's going into the pockets of certain schools right now. Is it inevitable? Well, it already is competitively. There's a, a massive gap competitively. Like, wh where is this headed? Um, you know, if you're, if you're San Jose State or Western Michigan in having football, but not actually competing at the highest level, right? And even a team like BYU that – He's not on the same level as Alabama and Georgia, but who is? You know what I mean? And, and Clemson had an off year, but who knows? They'll be back soon when they find the next Trevor Lawrence or whatever. Um, wh where yeah, is this headed? one does. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I joke with people that I'm like, if my crystal ball really worked, my newsletter is going to be a lot more of an eight bucks a month. Like you, <laughs> you, you, can, you can put me on retainer, right? I think if you're a Western Michigan or a San Jose State, you have to have some, some difficult and uncomfortable conversations about what success looks like for your athletic department. If you're going to, if your, if your department gets together and says, listen, the only way we're going to balance this budget, the only way we could do the things we want to do is if we go eight and four and make the Arizona bowl. Well, you need to either come up with 20 million more dollars or you need to, to get out of the game and, and do something else. And there's, I think we could probably think of a couple of division one schools that maybe are fooling themselves a little bit and pretending that they're playing the same sport as Alabama, or honestly, even playing the same sport as, as Cincinnati, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's not what Louisiana Monroe is doing. That's not really what UMass is doing. But if you have your, if you define success differently, maybe it doesn't matter that you're never going to beat Alabama or anything. I mean, I, I think BYU fans would agree. Hey, we had a great season last year. We had a great season the year before that, even though we were never really in the race to win a national championship, it's, it's a different system. And I imagine there's going to be some significant reconfigurations in college football over the next couple of years. And maybe Eastern Michigan and Western Kentucky are playing in a different classification, but it just, it, it's, it just depends on how you really value success. And this is a different sport than the NBA or anything else, because success doesn't necessarily mean, mean winning a title. There's a lot of fun football, a lot of fun basketball that's played every year that has nothing to do with what happens in the college football playoff. I think. Matt Brown, publisher of the Extra Points Newsletters and College Sports Insider with us on BYU Sports Nation. Everybody has an opinion these days, Matt. So knowing what you know and having traveled to these meetings and spoken with athletic directors and high-level people at different universities, what do you think is the recipe for success overall for college sports to still maintain some integrity, be competitive, and be appealing to fans? That's, that's a great question. And, and I, I may be a little bit different, I think, from some other reporters, because I don't think we ever really had amateurism. I don't think that this system ever really was completely competitively fair. People have been cheating since 1905. Like Yale had bagmen, <laughs> Princeton had bagmen. The schools that don't even exist anymore were, were you know, going into the, the local steelworkers hall and just grabbing anybody <laughs> off the floor to come play left tackle. So like I don't I don't look at this with any illusions here. I, I think I think what's important, big picture, is that the all this money that's coming into this system is is distributed in a way where the people who are doing the most work, uh, which I think are the athletes, get either long term health care or or some other kind of financial protections. I don't think it's fair for a coach, even at a bad team, 
a team that's going to finish in last place in the SEC West to make $7 million a year while the left tackle is one knee injury away from potentially losing everything. Yeah. And honestly, I think a lot of fans really agree with that too. That the, the pro sports are set up the same way. There's enough money to go around. There's enough money to go around, I think, to support 100-plus FBS programs. It's just a matter of figuring out how to share it in a way that uh, allows the most possible people to participate. And that's not something really American sports do very well. Uh, and I hope that maybe we can find a way to do that a little bit better in college football moving forward. Matt, fantastic stuff. For those that don't know, how can they find more of your content? You can find Extra Points at extrapointsmb.com. It's a newsletter that covers business and educational and administrative stories that shape college sports off the field. Uh, you can get it for free, uh, two uh, newsletters a week, or you can get a paid subscription to get everything. That's extrapointsmb.com. Fantastic work, my friend. Thanks for the time. We'll talk to you again soon. Always, always good, fellas. Thanks for having me. Matt Brown, publisher of the Extra Points newsletters. That dude is informed. And well, he puts together a fantastic newsletter. Look at all the uh, you know the banners behind him. That was legit. When we started with him a couple years ago, he had like three up there, I swear. Now he has like 30. <laughs> like a big Hawaii one, too. Hawaii. Now that's a mess right now. Jeez. Okay, coming up, Shaylee Gonzalez of the 16th ranked women's basketball team. Another dub yesterday. And do Ken Pomeroy's odds for BYU men's basketball to win both games this week seem too low? How you feel about the number and how we feel about it next on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world. On the latest BYU Sports Nation, right now, let the celebration begin for a birthday, big dubs, and the always loyal rock. Check it out on the BYUSN Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get content throughout the day, you can follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. It's time to whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Does Ken Palm's 55% chance to win both games this week seem low? Yeah, with what BYU men's basketball has done lately, winning on the road at San Francisco, handling St. Mary's at home, yeah, beating Santa Clara and Pacific, you would think it'd be higher than 55%, but I mean, so far... Ken Palm's been pretty spot on, and his metric has given a lot of credence. I'd probably bump it up to like 60% chance. That Santa Clara game is tricky. It's a weird game for BYU. So I put it about 60%. What about you? The reason it's low is because Santa Clara, he gives a 61% chance to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. Three-point game, he says. Is this going to be a tighter game than we think? Holy schnackies. Uh, Yeah, it seems low. Yeah, I would think it'd be in the 60s, high 60s. That's what the, I want the weather to be. So there you go. Okay. How about this? Professional, professional minor league baseball. AKA minor league baseball. Is going to experiment yeah. using robots as umpires. Huh? Jerem, should the West Coast Conference and basketball, specifically in the WCC, follow suit? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, goodness. they should hire robots. No, but no, basketball's like harder to officiate. Way tougher. Basketball's harder to officiate. By the way, go back and listen to the Deep Blue podcast I did with Mike Littlewood. Like the first 45 minutes about officiating because he was an Elite Eight rep. It's fascinating. It really is. 
No, although that'd be fun because it requires yeah. way more physical exertion than I, it does in baseball. I said, "What's the what's like the easiest sport?" He goes, "Football." It's cut and dry. I go, "Really? Like pass interference and holding?" He goes, "Yeah." Wow. Yeah. But he okay. said college basketball is where it's at because there's way more volume of games for refs. This is hilarious that we're asking this about WCC yeah. basketball because we all know the concerns, but. Uh, it, you know, it, it it can happen in baseball. It could never happen in basketball. If we had a robot officiating a basketball game, I'd be worried about our future existence. Well, check out some of those <laughs> people and you'd be surprised. Joe Lenardi has uh, BYU as his last uh, seven seed and updated seed lines literally tweeted like three minutes ago. Yes. Can the Cougars go higher than seven? Yeah. Yes. They keep winning games. They beat Santa Clara this week, which apparently is going to be a super close game, three-point game handle their business against Pacific, and then if BYU wins at St. Mary's and picks up another quad one win, Jerem? Absolutely stay quad one. Man, then they would be, the home at this point, five and one in quad one games, then yeah, BYU has a chance to climb onto the six, climb onto the six seed line. Six feels like, uh, well, as high as five if BYU wins out minus Gonzaga. Okay. Uh, hey, I'll take it. Take six again. Let's go. Jerem, yesterday you tweeted eyeball emojis in reference to an original post from Cougar Stats Mm -hmm. about BYU basketball's chances this week. Yep. 55%. To which one of your followers whistled a 15-yard penalty on you for improper use of the eyeballs emoji. Mm -hmm. Was the flag justified? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, there's a recruit that people were interested in. We can't mention his name. That may or may not transfer to BYU. Hopefully does. Um, That can sling it. Uh, so yeah, that's my bad. That's my bad. You cannot use the eyeball emojis in that time frame of waiting for a recruit. <laughs> so that's my bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, at Jakersore21, <laughs> calling you out. That was that was well done. We all need to be accountable. Extreme ownership. Uh. <laughs> Coming up, the top five game-winning field goals in BYU history. We're, we're still. Leveraging the weekend yep. in the NFL. Plus, BYU women's basketball star Shaylee Gonzalez joins us to recap two wins over San Diego in three days. And which matters more to her, an AP ranking or where the Cougars sit in the latest bracketology? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Yo, on the latest Deep Blue podcast, I chat with Mark and Leanne Pope about Part two. Part one wasn't enough. Playing for Larry Bird, living in Turkey, why they went from medical school at Columbia to making less than 30 G's on the Georgia coaching staff. Wow. Let's do it on the BYU Radio app or where podcasts are found. Life is crazy with its twists and turns. Mark's doing just fine financially right now. I think so. (laughs) I think he's making something like, uh, you know, 48. Oh, goodness. 48 something like times that. seven. <laughs> I hope it's more than that. I don't know. I'm just doing the simple math. Bro, hey, bro, Brody better be making like two or three in the Big 12. You know what I mean? That's that's uh, you want to keep them? You got to you got to go the direction the BYU's headed you into go. the Big 12. Yeah. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station live from Studio B. Joining us now is one of the stars of 16th ranked BYU women's basketball. They're doing their thing in the West Coast Conference and beyond. Shaylee Gonzalez is with us. Shaylee, it's good to see you back in Studio B. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We have entered a very strange COVID scenario again where you're playing games on unexpected days and you had a scenario where you played San Diego twice in three days. It was kind of like a playoff series. You were away. You won that game. You come home. You win by 22. What has it been like for you navigating the second wave of COVID as a Division yeah. One athlete? Yeah, um, I, I feel like our team has talked about this a bit. It's like really frustrating for us because we just want to play basketball games, you know. Um, it's frustrating that teams don't want to play because of COVID. And But 
you know, as long as we, we reschedule those games and we come out hard and we play our game, that's all that matters. And this last weekend was pretty, um, I mean, those that team, San Diego, they were super aggressive. And, I mean, we just took it to them. They're really good defensively, typically. Mm -hmm. But you put up 70-plus in both games. Um, you went for 49 points in the two games. That's pretty good against them because typically they shut people down. So what was working on offense? Um, I feel like offensively, just our passing, our movement. Um, San Diego came out in a, in a press, and so we knew that they were going to pressure us a lot. Um, and then they also played us in zone our, sec our second game, and they tried to mix it up on us. Wait, but who plays you in zone? You're just going to hit three, right? Is that, <laughs> yeah. that feels foolish. Yeah, well, Shaley did that yesterday. Open, and then the Duncan will be right in there, 41. So, I mean. Huh. Hey. I wouldn't play zone against BYU, but I don't know what I would do against you guys. <laughs> yeah. Don't say what you would do. Don't give the <laughs> secret away. Okay, so they did mix in some zone defense. Yeah. And as I just said, you made three out of five from the three-point line. That If we're nitpicking Shaley – You've, had, you've done everything at a very <laughs> high level, but your three-point shooting is not where it has been in the past, oh, no. but it's uh -huh. getting better. So uh, how is that evolving as the season progresses? Yeah, I don't know. This season I've struggled a bit with my three-point shot. Um, I've been getting in the gym more, shooting on the shooting machine, trying to get that percentage up. I know that um, I need to do better at that in my role and um, trying to take upon that. You shot it better against San Diego. Five of eight did. in the two games. We're picking nits here. Jeez. Right? Uh, 59% from two. Is that an mm -hmm. acceptable number for you? <laughs> I would like that number to go up a bit. Even more. You want to be in the 60s? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, you guys, you guys, we've said it all freaking year, but you guys are 16-1, and 6-0 in league. Charlie Cream has you as a three seed. Mm -hmm. How does that sound? You're number 16 in the country. Everything's going great. Yeah. I mean, to be able to host a game, an NCAA game, would be awesome during the tournament um i mean we're just gonna keep pushing keep grinding um we got some tough games coming up we play gonzaga soon and mm. we know we gotta we gotta win those games tell us about the zags this year because certainly it's a different group from last year mm -hmm. but still good they're top yeah. 30 in net it's mm -hmm. still gonna be a big game yeah i mean they lost i think four seniors and they played a lot um they were their top players and so i'm super excited to play gonzaga see what their team dynamic is this year and um, just looking forward to play them Shaley Gonzalez with us on BYU Sports Nation, star for the BYU women's basketball team and one of several stars. Paisley Harding doing her thing, mm -hmm. Lauren Gustin doing her thing, Tegan Graham has been mm -hmm. outstanding at points. It feels like everybody is contributing and the chemistry is at an all-time high. Why is that that this year it has all come together? Yeah, I mean, those five seniors coming back was huge for us. Um, and I feel like that's why we're so good this year is because we have that chemistry. Um, and their leadership is amazing and um, it's been super fun playing with them again, and um, I'm going to be sad when they leave. Yeah, let's not talk about it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to miss that. them, too. Um, okay, you are amazingly somehow, what, a redshirt sophomore? Yeah. Okay, so As is Lauren Gust. <laughs> yeah, both of us. Not bad, right? Not bad. <laughs> um, are we going to see you in the Big 12? You gonna stay that extra year? Oh yeah, that's my, that's my plan. Two Five years, years of Shaley. That's my plan. Oh baby, that's exciting. <laughs> okay, you talked about sort of uh, the team dynamic. What's the secret sauce? Obviously, the secret all these sauce. all these seniors coming back, it's like awesome. You're yeah. you're you're better than you probably would have been, right? With that mm -hmm. experience and that production. But like, we, there's something different about the group, and it's the BYU women's basketball manager's account. Showing <laughs> dancing and the chem like you guys get along so well and that translate like when you're skilled yeah. and you have chemistry that's a great combo uh -huh. I feel like yeah I mean we're super close on and off the floor and I feel like we love to have fun with each other you know that 
like you said, that account, the social media stuff. Um, you need to follow that account. Every time it's there's so one funny. Like, BYU, what is it? BYUWBB managers. managers. Yeah. So yeah. they just take like videos, like behind <laughs> the so scenes funny. of like the girls dancing in practice and. <laughs> It's really funny, and those videos have been blowing up, so it's awesome. pretty cool. Yeah. All right, Shaylee, let's go back to the metrics. Number 16 in the country, according to the media. Number 13 in the latest NCAA women's basketball net rankings. Oh, that's up spot. Let's go. And a projected three seed, according to ESPN's Charlie Cream. Which of those three numbers resonates most with you? With me? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Can you say those things again? Number 16 in the yeah. AP poll, There's number so 13 in the net rankings, <laughs> or a projected three seed in the NCAA tournament, according to ESPN. I feel like the number three seed, mm. I feel like that, I mean, that just proves and shows how much hard work we put in, and um, hopefully that number can go up more if, if we keep winning as a team. And, I mean, we're just super excited to get in the NCAA tournament again and to play um, and to go even farther in the tournament. You know, that second game last year against U of A, uh, was hard for us, and we knew that we could beat them. We were up almost the whole game, and so we're just looking forward to get there again. And U of A for an Arizona girl, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a little connection there. Okay, yeah. although both your parents went to Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Lopes. The, the Lopes. Lopes. Men's volleyball. We know them <laughs> from men's volleyball. Okay, so what's what's your life like emotionally right now? Because you posted on Instagram about your brother is going on a mission, yeah. home MTC, mm-hmm. but you're up here now. You're the oldest, <laughs> yeah. he's the second oldest, and you guys are tight. Yeah, so he came up here um, after high school, and um, he was doing, like, online school. He was working, and we literally lived down the street, and we'd, we'd always hang out every single day, and we're super, super close, super tight. He'd always be the one to go to the gym with me, um, help me work on my game, and um, we played Saturday, and then after that game, I flew out to Arizona, and then Sunday, he gave his farewell talk, and then spent the whole day with him and family and friends Sunday, and then Monday morning, I flew back here for our game on wow. Monday night. Mm. And so it was a bit crazy, but I was just glad I got to be able to go back home for the day and spend time with him. Um, it's super hard, and I'm super excited for him. Sure. Zaya. Yeah, yeah, shout out to Zaya yeah. and the Zaya. entire Gonzalez family. Zaya, <laughs> which is super cool. Shaylee, let's finish with this. Because you do have such a social media presence and so many are interested in your life as a Division One athlete, how has name, image, likeness worked for you mm-hmm. personally? Yeah, I mean, I've gotten great opportunities to um, make money and to kind of – kind of be like a little businesswoman almost. I feel like um, I was able to learn a bunch of things and to work with businesses. And I have a couple brand deals that I'm doing and it's super fun and I love it. And it's a little like side job. Is it hard to balance the time? Yeah, it is. Hard to count all the money, (laughs) Shaylee. It's like a job. (laughs) It's like a job. And so it does take a lot of time. Um, I've been trying to, um, I've been taking a little break from the social media part of it and to focus on, um, more important things, but you know, it's super fun and I love doing it, whether it's like a little bit or working with brand deals. So, I've shown off a, a certain card at Mac U, I think, right? Which is pretty <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah, that's my biggest awesome. brand right now. Awesome. You and AB, let's yeah. go. Um, you're, you're a journalism major, which we did as well, mm-hmm. although they didn't have sports media when we were going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what do you want to do with that? And what, yeah. what, what are you learning that we need to know because we're not in class? <laughs> Um, well, I'm taking a class from Greg Rebell right now. So nice. that class is fun. Um, I, I think it would be so cool to be like a – I mean, obviously I want to play pro after college, whether it's um, try out for the WNBA or go pro overseas. Um, I feel like it would be really cool to be a photographer for like mm. a NBA team or, you know, any team like that, some sort. 
Um, but not so much like broadcasting. I know that's your guys' more thing. More social? Yeah, more social. Yeah. Okay. There, there are students like that. that have left here who are working like with the jazz and other In social yeah, media. In social. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. That's yeah. cool. We can have some conversations about that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Or if you decide you want to be the next Rebecca Lobo, Carol Austin, like, we can talk about that too. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Okay, thanks, Shaylee. Great to talk with you. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for yes. the upcoming games this and week. And we've got a couple you know, on BYU TV this week, which is exciting. Santa Clara, San Good Francisco. Yeah. Let's do it. Thank Let's you, go. guys. Okay, coming up. If you got staples in your head, would you still go to a BYU sporting event? We'll tell you about the kid who did on Saturday. Oh, some people are just tougher than others. Wild. And where a freshman in green cleats lands in the top five game-winning walk-off field goals for BYU football. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Download the pod, subscribe, rate, and review. Let's roll out Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing after a weekend of wild finishes and game-winning kicks. We take a look back at BYU football's Top 5 game-winning field goals. Number 5, 1993 against Hawaii. 40 seconds left. Rainbow Warriors kicker Carlton Oswald doinks a 21-yarder off the upper. Oh, my Just goodness. A chip shot. Then John Walsh pulls a Patrick Mahomes, finds Eric Drage for 58 yards to get into field goal range. Get down. Let's go. Get it. <laughs> Eric, get down. <laughs> then Joe Herrick nails a 40-yarder for the win. When field goal posts used to be short. And Hawaii remains winless in Provo. <laughs> that, and Eric Drage comes out, yeah, baby! <laughs> With his helmet off, that would be a big penalty today. Well, I think the game's <laughs> over. I think. I went down a deep rabbit hole, watched a lot of that game on Sunday. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Number four, Texas to Virginia in the year 2000. BYU trailed 21-0 at halftime. They tie it with 50 seconds left. Virginia had one last chance to win in regulation, but missed a 48-yarder. Then in overtime, Tyson Smith, give me that, picks off Dan Ellis, leaving the door open for Owen Potsman, sneak in a game winner from 26 yards out. Owen Potsman, that guy could score. Number three, 2001. BYU goes to Mississippi State, 12-0 in a rescheduled game from 9-11. BYU trailed by 10 in the second half. The Dominator finds Spencer Need to tie it at 30. Yeah. Then on the final possession, Doman finds Soren Halliday, who was really good. No one, he was awesome. Then Reno Mahan, Luke Staley, chew up the final 322. Sadly, Staley broke his leg. Uh, on the play before the field goal. Uh, to give Matt Payne a 25-yard field goal to pe- keep the perfect season alive at the moment. That would quickly end the next week. But it was 12-0 in that moment, and it was, it was awesome. At number two, Kalani Satake's first game as the head coach at BYU, and it did not disappoint with dramatics. After a much-needed stop on an Arizona two-point conversion try, Taysom Hill leading the offense down for Jake Aldroyd with his green cleats to send the game winner through and start Kalani Satake's career off with a win. There were people, including his teammates, most of his teammates, didn't even know who Jake was Ed Lamb made the the call to use Jake. Ed Lamb made the call. Number one. Go to the 1996 WAC Championship. Both Spencer and I are in the crowd in this one. Down by 3-0, Pochman connects from 20 yards. His time expires in regulation to push it to OT. Then in overtime, where both teams get the ball, Wyoming's Corey Weddle misses from 48 yards. 
giving putt. We're somewhere in that shot right there. Then Owen Potchman eats in, excuse me. Bang! For the win. Cougars head to the Cotton Bowl after that. This was the first play-by-play -play football game for Greg Rubel, by the way. Oh, Joe Tiller. Angry Joe Tiller. And Wyoming fans have been ticked ever since. Nah, just kidding. They've been that way forever. My first trip to Las Vegas was a memorable one because it included the Owen Pochman's, sorry, Ethan Pochman's heroics. The Pochman brothers were huge Pochman for brothers. BYU. And then the Payne brothers. Yes. Love that. My, yeah, my grandpa was so nervous about those rickety temp seats on the north end in, the, in Sam Boyd Stadium. I'd be he, nervous about them He too. went down to the ground, so we all did. And as you can see, like hundreds gathered down below. And I remember this is pre-cell phones. As the kick is going up and it's good, I yell at my mom, meet you right here after. She's like, yeah. So then I just run out. And then KSL put out that video this year of the 96 team. And I'm like, woo, to some uh, <laughs> camera from KSL that I'd never seen as like a 13-year-old. That was pretty cool. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> I love that 96 team, man. That was fun uh, walk down memory lane there with walk-off field goal kicks. fun, man. Our question of the day. Do you want BYU to schedule Utah every year when the Cougars – become a member of the Big 12, or would you choose other opponents in games? At Jordan S. Larson says the game should be played every year. BYU-Utah. Lived in South Carolina for several years, and fans live for South Carolina-Clemson. Played rivalry week. Even though they play in different conferences and Clemson has been a national power, play the game, schedule it rivalry week. Hopefully they do. Probably not. Our Elite Voices of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. And Clark in Addison asks... Schedule who now? <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Goodness. Today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. The FISO family are big BYU fans. Uh, Saturday, FISO 3, as they call him on Twitter, Vi as in Savai'i, an island in Samoa, had an accident at his home where he slipped and hit his head on some bricks on the oh. exterior of his house. Oh. He had staples in his head to stop the bleeding, but he asked the doctor if he could still go to the men's volleyball game. He did. He got a ball thrown to him from Mix Ramanis, yeah. and he was still at the game with his headphones and his head wrapped up. Shout out to Vi. That's awesome. That's next level toughness. Well done, Vi. And shout out to the FISO family. Our thanks to today's guests, Matt Brown and Shaylee Gonzalez of BYU Women's Hoops. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. He wouldn't go to the volleyball match, that's for sure. With staples in his head? No, he'd be home. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Tim Nowatsky. We'll see you tomorrow for BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs.